The latest Gonski report, Gonski 2.0, has been released, which proposes a, quote, radical overhaul of the national curriculum to boost student outcomes. And as far as I can tell, it is full of edubabble and the same old student-directed learning that hasn't worked in the past. Australia has poured an extra $10 billion of funding into schools over the past decade, but our students are going backwards in international rankings, and we were even beaten by Kazakhstan a couple of years ago. Yet we are one of the biggest spenders on education outlaying twice as much per capita as top performers, Singapore, Hong Kong and Korea. The more money we pour at the problem, the worse our kids seem to fare. And Gonski 2.0 was meant to fix all of that. But here are some of the recommendations. A move away from year-based learning to learning progressions. Teachers to be given an assessment tool to track individual progress. Report cards will focus on improvements, not just grades. Prepare senior students for the world after school. There's nothing specific there, nothing about effective teaching strategies, no evidence offered in the report that any of it works. Now, the Federal Education Minister, Simon Birmingham, will join us in the studio in a second. But first, Senior Research Fellow Jennifer Buckingham from the Centre for Independent Studies is here with us for her expertise. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Miranda. What do you make of the report? I think it's a big disappointment to a lot of people who were expecting much more of a concrete set of recommendations about how uh, schools and school systems could best spend resources in order to maximise student outcomes uh, in the short term. Um, so within the time frame of this additional funding, so within the next five to ten years, and that, that is relatively short term in um, educational terms, things take a long time to show an impact. Um, the report, though, gives some very kind of um, visionary ideas that while um, they sound uh, great in theory, there is no evidence to suggest that they will work in practice. There's a lot of theory in there, isn't there? Yeah, a lot of assumptions that if we do this, then that will lead to something else. And yet the terms of reference set down for this committee ask them to examine the evidence about uh, effective teaching and learning strategies so that schools and school systems could look at the way um, that they are achieving or level that they're achieving and perhaps um, adjust that according to this sort of guidance and advice and there's very little of that kind of guidance and advice for schools. So there's nothing concrete in here for teachers to grab hold of and say this is how I'm going to improve literacy teaching or history teaching? No, it's more uh, at the sort of meta uh, system level and even higher than that more at a, a national level. And haven't we already had too much of that? We've had a lot of large-scale reforms and some of them are still ongoing. So some of the recommendations in this report are endorsing things that are already happening um, as a result of the Teacher Education Ministerial Advisory Group, or otherwise known as TMAG. Uh, those reforms, which began from the report in 2014, are still being put in place now. So this is the sort of time frame we're talking about, that it takes a long time to do these big um, sort of um, systemic changes. And while the, the proposal, in this, proposal in this report sound fairly straightforward, you know, um, continuous assessment and we, we talk about measuring growth um, other than achievement, it's, um, it really simplifies something that's quite complex and will require quite a... Um, I suppose the word radical has been used a lot, but a radical restructuring of our assessment systems and also of the curriculum. 
And I guess the, that, that wouldn't be a problem if there was any evidence that it would work. And we've seen already with NAPLAN that the there's no real improvement over time. And teachers complain that's because they're not given any tools to improve their teaching. Their skills aren't improving. Is there anything in this report that will improve? You know, there's a lot of assessment. Anything to, to help the teachers skill up? Uh, I'm, I'm the biggest fan of data that you probably find anywhere. Um, I always think more data is almost always a good thing, but it's knowing what to do with it when you have it. And that's been a continuing concern for um, for educators um, at all levels that we have a lot of information already. Um, and as you said, NAPLAN provides us with new data every year. But part of the reason there's been um, relatively slow improvement in NAPLAN is that there's been a a lack of effective response. Um, and I don't think that's for lack of trying. I think that's for lack of information about what that effective response might look like and really concrete guidance about um, curriculum design and pedagogy that are effective. And pedagogy, you mean effective teaching? Yeah, so the way that um, teachers... Uh, teach the content of the curriculum to students, the way they explain that, um, the way they um, plan lessons, the the difference between, say, just two examples of different kinds of pedagogies are explicit instruction and inquiry-based uh, approaches. So just to explain that, explicit instruction is what I guess older listeners would remember as the teacher, uh, as the sage on the stage. And then the other type is student-directed learning where the student is there and the teacher just walks around and sort of offers some advice. Yeah, that's essentially it. Although um, explicit instruction tends to be um, viewed as a more traditional style of teaching, but in fact it is the cutting edge um, According research, to the evidence. Right. That's right, research-informed um, style of teaching. And it's not just didactic, it's very, um, it's very engaged uh, and there's a lot of um, dynamic that goes on within the classroom. It's just a very explicit style of lesson planning where the content um, and what children are expected to know at the end of each lesson is very clearly explained to them and the information is broken down into um, discrete parts that then build upon each other in a very um, systematic way so that children are more likely to grasp those concepts. Um, whereas inquiry-based approaches really place the onus back onto students to discover information for themselves. Uh, and that can work okay when children already have a, a fairly high level of knowledge or expertise in a particular subject, but for novices, it absolutely does not work. Well, I notice in the report there's a lot of uh, what would seem to be not, you know, student-directed learning. They say we are enabling children to be partners in their own learning. Is there anything about the the type of teaching, the effective teaching method, direct instruction that the research shows works is that works best. Is there any of that in this report? No, the report um, really uh, neglects to cover the huge amount of evidence about effective teaching and learning strategies, which is what I think um, we were led to by the terms of reference to expect the report mm. would contain. And so I guess the, the So would that be your biggest disappointment? Yeah, the, well, the disappointment for me is not so much um, what's in the report, but what's not in the report. And so I think, you know, the idea of continuous assessment um, is in theory a good one. Um, but the evidence base underpinning it is just not there. Um, yet there is a big evidence base 
um, underpinning other sorts of strategies that schools could start using within the next 12 months, if not sooner, that would start to have an impact um, straight away. Lastly, I just want to ask you about a, a, a phrase that seems to pop up in the report a lot, growth mindset. Um, what is that? A growth mindset is a, a psychological construct that has been kicking around in education circles for particularly the last few years, but it's about probably 20 years old. Uh, and it's the idea that if children, uh, if they have a growth mindset, they believe that um, their ability um, to do things can grow, that if they um, put in effort and if they're given the tools to achieve, then they can. A fixed mindset suggests that they believe that, that they can only do as well as their, you know, their fixed intelligence will allow them to do. Uh, and the theory is that children with a growth mindset will achieve higher than children with a fixed mindset. Sounds like the old self-esteem idea, which, you know, you really need to teach them something. Thank you so yes. much, Jennifer Buckingham. Um, we're going to bring in Simon Birmingham uh, into the studio ASAP, so stand by. <laughs> Well, we're talking the latest Gonski 2.0 report on education released today, which proposed a, quote, radical overhaul of the national curriculum to boost student outcomes. And now in the studio with us is the Federal Education Minister, Simon Birmingham. Thanks for joining us, Minister. Pleasure, Miranda. Great to be with you. Now, you've heard a fair amount of criticism here from me and from Jennifer Buckingham from the CIS. So I'll give you an opportunity to spruik your wares. Uh, well, sure, Miranda. I mean, this isn't my report, but it's a report to government. Uh, but it's a valuable report. It looks very much indeed to the medium and long term as to how we build into our education system opportunities for continuous improvement, that the recommendations to put in the hands of teachers uh, the type of assessment tool that can give them quicker, more rapid data, feedback, information about how their students are progressing, how they compare, to link that then into better research and evidence, I think over time can absolutely give us improvements but we have to make sure we keep doing the other things that we're pursuing already, some of which Jennifer referenced, such as our reforms to initial teacher education, uh, such as ensuring that the focus on literacy and numeracy uh, isn't lost. I think we've got some renewed emphasis there lately. This report as well does emphasise very clearly that it's critical that any of these changes give priority in the first instance to those early years, to literacy and numeracy skills, and to make sure that the basic foundations are established by the age of eight. Now, look, the report, for instance, calls for A to E grading. Does it, does it ask for it to be abolished? It's quite critical about it. And it, what happened it, to F? <laughs> <laughs> the, the report doesn't call for, uh, for such grading to be abolished. Indeed, the report still acknowledges that, yes, you might want to assess progress of a student, and I'll come back to that point in a second, but that you should still absolutely also assess uh, real achievement, absolute achievement of students. So are they meeting minimum benchmarks or proficient benchmarks? They're important questions. But also, are they progressing as much as they possibly can? Is also an important question that a student who starts year five, having been an A-grade student in year four, uh, who may well know most of the year five content already, ought to be being extended. Equally, a student who might be behind the rest of the class in their reading skills needs to be identified 
and given targeted support to bring them up in terms of their skills. So good teachers do this already. Many teachers work very hard in terms of how they target their teaching to um, different groups within their classroom and different abilities within their classroom. But those good teachers also have to do a lot at present to invent the wheel themselves sometimes around the way they target. Uh, this report is trying to say, can we put in place better systems, better structures to support them to do that? Look, let me just read to you, and I'll get Jennifer <clears throat> to pipe in um, whenever you want to, but there's a, just a part of this report says something I just cannot understand. Cultivate an adaptive, innovative and continuously improving education system. That just sounds like mumbo-jumbo. <laughs> uh, well, I think uh, you can take the, the SEO report-type language out of that and what it's saying in my terms would be how do you make sure we keep getting better? That you can't just have an education system that sits still. There are some things that an education system is always going to have to do, and frankly, which we've been failing on over time. That's teaching kids how to read effectively, teaching them how to write effectively, teaching those basics where it's clear that we have slipped. But there are other things in terms of the skills you expect children to have when they finish school, um, and particularly in areas of technology and so on, we expect kids to have skills and knowledge uh, that really uh, weren't applicable when any of us were at school. So you've got to have those changes in terms of the way uh, teaching responds, as well as responding to all of the other impacts, technology being another one in different ways that uh, impacts on how students are learning, impacts on what they're doing at home and how we make sure that, uh, again, do we have good research and evidence for teachers to know when to use technology, when not to use it, and indeed information then that goes back to parents uh, about how they should regulate the use of technology to make sure their kids aren't distracted from their learning. Now, the report recommends moving away from year-based learning. So how are teachers going to have the time to teach children curriculums sort of above and below their grades while still managing the rest of the class? Well, I sort of gave that example before that good teachers already do that, that they do recognise there are different levels of standards within the classroom and they target their teaching accordingly. Uh, what the report's trying to do is to say, by embedding some of those elements of progress in the curriculum uh, and by putting that in, uh, in a more accessible, easy-to-reach assessment tool coupled with support materials and resources for teachers, you can help those good teachers have more time in terms of the way they target their teaching but also make that more accessible to other teachers to understand how they differentiate within their classroom uh, to ensure that the kid who already knows the content is being extended to know more, so you've got more high achievers. The children who might be slipping behind are identified and therefore remedial action taken to make sure they don't slip further and further behind. But the terms of reference, I think, were more specific and asking for um, you know, more ideas about teacher effectiveness and something more than sort of airy-fairy motherhood, which is really what the report is full of. You must be a bit disappointed that they're from your panel, Ken Boston, David Gonski, that they haven't given specifics that anyone can, you know, parents and journalists writing about it and Jennifer Buckingham, an expert, mm. can actually grab hold of and say, this is really worth all the money that we're going to it be spending on education extra and we can actually base our decision on whether it's successful or not on whether or not this report follows through but there's there's nothing specific in the report. Well, I think there are specifics in the report but they're specifics that as, uh, as Jennifer was talking about before are probably tailored more 
to the medium and long term effects they will have in terms of uh, in terms of creating um, improvements in what happens in classrooms and indeed in the research that teachers can rely on as to how they teach, what they teach and the methods that are used. Um, it doesn't present here are the five silver bullets that you could apply over the next one or two years to uh, make a tangible difference. Jennifer, now, could you have um, suggested a couple of silver bullets? <laughs> well, I, I think there's a, an enormous amount of um, research that points towards particular uh, curriculum design principles and um, teaching principles that have shown time and time again to be effective and particularly for children um, from disadvantaged backgrounds who who are at risk, um, but also for children at the other end of the scale. And I think this was one of the another one of the things that I think the report did not um, capitalise on or explore sufficiently was um, the how you cater for effectively for children at. at um, different ends of the achievement range. The, their expectation is that, um, as the Minister was saying, that this new assessment tool would um, show where that needs to be done, but there isn't then any guidance about how you do that. And so there's the, the report is full of what, but not the who or the how, and that kind of... It, the recommendations sort of glide over that. So, Isn't that the most important thing, Minister, the how? Well, the type of assessment tool that's, uh, that's proposed, if we think about how it might practically work, uh, is that rather than waiting for a Year 3 NAP plan, of course, teachers already have a whole range of different assessments that they use. Uh, again, some of them are very good. Not all of them are benchmarked or evidence-based, though. So putting in place an assessment tool that from the very first year of schooling and through each of those years, teachers are able to use to chart the progress. Is a child learning to read? Is a child getting their numeracy skills that are required? Uh, sure, and but ensuring... that's the assessment. But what yep. about the teaching? Yep. Like, and... I'm all for assessment, but it seems like it's all assessment and no advice or you know plan for how to teach. And, and it's absolutely expected that alongside that assessment tool would be resources to show how it is you should be targeting teaching to different students at different stages of their progression. But that's so not in that's, the report. Uh, so that's uh, partly about what the curriculum uh, changes proposed are in putting in place some of the progression-based elements to the curriculum. Uh, but indeed, uh, we have to make sure that in its application, uh, you make sure that there are clear guidance there for teachers uh, around how they use it uh, and what the tools and resources they should use are to make sure that they are evidence-based uh, in their application. Uh, I don't pretend that any of this is, uh, is easy or can instantly be done overnight, uh, but I can see that it's got clear potential to make sure that we don't continue to have a circumstance where either fewer and fewer kids are achieving at the standards they used to be. You know, this report makes very clear that on 2016 data, the entire student cohort in Australia in terms of their reading skills, their math skills, their science skills is behind where students were in 2005, mm. that the low achievers are performing even worse, the median range is lower, and the high achievers are performing at a lower level. But so this report to... was supposed to fix that and supposed to give us concrete ways that you were tying that extra funding to improved education. And yet, you know, subjects like history and science and literature and mathematics, the sort of understanding and the skills associated with those, as Kevin Donnelly uh, has written today in The Australian, um, you know, are, are just thrown aside for these kind of general capabilities. Um, well, no, I don't, uh, I don't agree with that analysis in that the report makes very clear you've got to put emphasis 
on getting all of those early foundational elements in place that, uh, that you won't succeed at school if you don't get the basics of literacy and numeracy there. And that indeed, if they're not there by age eight, there's every likelihood kids will fall further and for further behind. Uh, so I think we have to take those elements of the report, really apply them hard. There's a clear message there as well, frankly, for parents, for communities too. Uh, that there have to be check in clear one. expectations. And Jennifer and, <laughs> I are on a, Jennifer and I are on a unity ticket <laughs> uh, there. And Jennifer's Absolutely. done some great work uh, uh, in advancing um, cause around teaching of phonics uh, and the potential use for a phonics check, which in and of itself, you could say, to take one of your questions before, Miranda, is just an assessment. And it is just an assessment, but you hope from the assessment that, of course, it's setting an expectation within the school that this is important and what we've seen where the phonics check has been used in the UK, and Jennifer's better able to speak on that than I, but what we've seen is that it has changed teaching practice. They have been teaching phonics uh, much more successfully and, uh, and children are not only better meeting the phonics check, but now several years down the track, you're seeing benefits in terms of their reading capabilities later on. And that's wonderful. And of course, the, there's evidence that backs up the use of the phonics check and there is evidence for other things such as you know direct instruction in teaching that Jennifer was talking about are you disappointed really I know that your mm. heart is in the right place and you want to fix the problem but are you disappointed with this report that it's so vague you know that it leaves out these very important evidence-based um, issues I that would mm. you know that 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 are just give such a clear roadmap to teachers and schools Look, I think, uh, I think there could have been uh, a series of recommendations like a phonics check that would have given us some gains in certain areas. Mm. Uh, what the panel chose to do was to try to take a longer-term perspective and say, how do we make sure that things like phonics in future uh, aren't an ideological debate? That if you actually have proper assessment and data, proper research uh, um, gathering and undertaking that actually you shouldn't, when Jennifer or I or anybody else talk about a phonics check, suddenly then have the ideological warriors go out there and argue the case. You should actually be able to say, just as when a uh, doctor receives new instructions out of medical research that says, you know, this is the best way to diagnose a problem or this is the best way to but treat a problem. But the evidence is already there. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. And, and, and yet we don't seem to have within our architecture of the way the education system works a way to take the politics and the ideology out of that and actually say clearly the evidence is there. Who is the authoritative voice upon which does that, uh, does that evidence actually collated and the data that it relies upon? It's but all the, very hotly contested. the government's contested. got to make a decision. You've got to take a stand well, at some point. Well, we've taken a stand in favour of a phonics check. Of course, it takes state and territories to actually administer it in their schools. Uh, and I'm thrilled that uh, uh, in my home state... Uh, the new Liberal government, but based off of work, to their credit, that the old Labor government had started, uh, is actually delivering the phonics check statewide this year. And I hope that, you know, again, we'll be able to take evidence from what they're doing and encourage other states to follow suit. Now, lastly, the F. Is that is that been abolished completely? <laughs> what happened to F? Why is it A to E? Is no one allowed to fail anymore? <laughs> I might have to go away and check in terms of whether uh, whether Fs are out there in uh, in the land. But look, students should fail. Students, you know, students who aren't meeting the minimum standard should clearly be failed. They should be made aware to to parents. And I was about to say before, there's a big, big message out of all of this as well that 
you know, we can expect education bureaucracies to do things, principals to do things, teachers to do things, but we also have to expect parents to do things as well and to take education seriously. And I heard you asking Jennifer before about the, the term growth mindset and so on. Mm. Uh, well, again, let me put that in, uh, in terms that I'd use, uh, which is people valuing an education uh, and that uh, at home, Parents ought to be setting high expectations for their children. Sure, but what about the poor kids? Value and education, respect their teachers, uh, and go to school with a mindset to learn. Sure, but I mean, I just feel sorry for the kids that don't have parents who are particularly adept at helping them. They should be able to go to school and learn to read, write, and be as good as anyone else who's got great parents at home. So I hope they they should indeed. But we won't know for ten years or five years. uh, I, I, we won't stop pursuing other things, be it a phonics check, uh, be it better uh, teaching of prospective teachers at universities, all of those other reforms that we've been pursuing while we indeed work on these recommendations to provide medium long-term uh, improvement uh, and indeed, I hope, continuous improvement. I said before, it'd be great to think that whatever the phonics check argument in five years' time is, it's not an argument that we actually have a process in place by then for it to be assessed, resolved and people to go... That's what the evidence shows. Let's just do it. And, of course, I mean, it is state governments that are in charge of the schools. We have to remember that. (laughs) Minister, thank you for joining me in the studio and also to Jennifer Buckingham. What do you think about the latest Gonski report? Leave me a comment on our website, dailytelegraph.com.au, on Facebook or on Twitter using the hashtag MirandaLive. You're with Miranda Devine coming to you from the Daily Telegraph newsroom in Sydney. That was, of course, the Federal Education Minister Simon Birmingham and CIS Research Fellow, Senior Research Fellow Jennifer Buckingham. And uh, that's it from me. Thank you for listening. If you missed anything on the show today, you can listen back to the podcast on our website, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And we have a big show lined up tomorrow. Adam Crichton will join me with a preview of the federal budget. We'll talk to Bernard Gaynor about his win in the High Court, all that and a lot more tomorrow at 4pm live from the Daily Telegraph newsroom in Sydney. Sydney.